friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Refreshing. He's locked in. Refreshing. In the zone. Refreshing. Yeah. Still nothing, Jesse. Nice to have Blake Murphy and Jay's Talk Plus on the TV airwaves. You can also catch that bad boy wherever you get your podcast and on the Fan 590 in Toronto. As my guy Famous said, this is Tim and Friends with less than 60 minutes till the trade deadline in Major League Baseball. And as is the case, whenever breaking news happens, we've got you covered live and in real time right here on Tim and Friends. Jesse Rubinoff manning the ones and twos of Twitter and Instagram as you get your say on today's show. And that might be dangerous given where we are in Jay's <laughs> land right now about today's trade deadline, as will our cavalcade of guests. John Paul Morosi, Jeff Blair, Shai Davidi, Arash Badani, Arden Zwelling, and Ian Rappaport to close it all out on the NFL. We have got you covered for the next two hours of edutainment. We got a Juan Soto blockbuster and plenty of Jay's stuff to talk about. Jesse, is, is the Twittersphere lighting up as much as I see it lighting up in the corner of my eye? Yeah. Yeah, the whole day it has been too. Yeah, and it's about the lack of action despite a little bit of action. Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. We'll get into all of that, I promise, with <laughs> Jesse, your tweets, and every one of our guests. Now, Juan Soto, the big story of the day as of right now. He's the first all-star in Major League Baseball history, age 23 or younger, to change teams mid-season. And if you're wondering if the rest is just sizzle and no steak, consider this, homeboys and girls. Six of the last seven World Series champs made a significant move in and around the deadline to help get them over the top. From the 2015 Royals getting Johnny Cueto and Ben Zobris, the last season's Braves picking up Eddie Rosario, the NLCS MVP, Jorge Solar, the World Series MVP, Adam Duvall and Jock Peterson, who of course is the fantasy football MVP. 2016, the Cubs are Aldis Chapman. 2017, the Astros Verlander at the non-waiver. 2018, Red Sox Nathan Eovaldi pitched to a 161 ERA over 22 and a third in the postseason. 2019, Daniel Hudson and four saves for the Nats. Quarter of the final three outs of Game Seven in the World Series. The only team that didn't make a big splash at the deadline was the 2020 Dodgers, but they didn't need any more splash after landing a cannonball and a butt cracker in Mookie Betts and David Price in an offseason deal in February. Jesse, do they get the point? This deadline, unlike others, means something. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. There's no question about it. A cannonball and butt <laughs> I got sidetracked a by splash. cannonball and butt cracker. Do you remember, crack. you know, the butt cracker? Some people would call it an ass cracker. But it's when uh, the, the bathing suit is... It's, no, the, it's, it is uh, legs go straight out, hand goes over the nose, and it's, oh, it is oh, big splash light. You go butt, butt first. Butt first. Right. And for big those of splash. us with the big caboose, big bigger, bigger than cannonball. Bigger than cannonball. Bigger than, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. But next yep, time you've I never tried pool. a butt cracker. No, no. Big cannonball guy. Not a big diver. Are you a big diver? There's a can opener, too. You're right. Yeah, right. You're going to show me that one, too. <laughs> Deadline in baseball, unlike 
other sports has meant a lot over the years. That's why Jesse and I will be all over it like Devon White in a shot to the gap. And it all begins <laughs> with first things first. So let's start the jaunt. Tuki Toussaint. First things first. first. I'm having the bet, like the best time over here. Just, just amalgamating. Is that a word? Yep. That's a word? I don't putting think I used together. it in the right context. But I'm putting things together. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there's just responses just flying in left, right, and center. The people are antsy. There's rumors. It's crazy. I, that's what I was trying to do is, so Jesse's in charge of your responses, and I guess I'm in charge of trying to bring together all of the expert rumors that are out there. Sure, yeah. And we'll do all this in first things first. All right, uh, let's begin. As Timmy mentioned, the trade deadline less than one hour away. The big news of the day was the Padres acquiring Juan Soto, and we'll have much more on that coming up, obviously. But Jays fans are hoping that We'll have some breaking news to report in the next, uh, what, 55 minutes or so, because so far it's been a relatively quiet day for Mark Shapiro yeah. and Ross Ackerds. Fair? A little bit. Relative, Fair. Relatively. The Jays did pick up a couple of bullpen arms from the Marlins, acquiring right-handers Anthony Bass and Brampton, Ontario native Zach Pop, plus a player to be named later in exchange for infield prospect Jordan Groshans. Bass is having a good season for Miami, very good, but the 141 ERA and 45 appearances. He did, in fact, spend the 2020 season with the Blue Jays, but when he does uh, make an appearance at the Rogers Center, it'll be his first as a Jay in Toronto. Bass making $3 million this season, has a $3 million team option for next season. The 25-year-old Pop is a ground ball specialist who has a 360 ERA and 18 appearances for the Marlins this season and is under contractual control for another four years, the Blue Jays also announced that they have designated Anthony Banda for assignment and Andrew Vasquez was claimed on waivers by the Phillies. But of course, there's still time. Earlier this afternoon, MLB Network's John Heyman tweeted the Jays were talking to the Angels about starting pitcher and a familiar name to Jays fans from back in the day, Noah Syndergaard and reliever Rysel Iglesias. So do the Jays need to make another move, Timmy? Yes. Yes, they, they need more than what they've got right now, especially when you look at the rest of the American League, more specifically the Yankees and the Astros. And it sounds like they're still active outside of Syndergaard. And if, if they got right now, and I know we've got a poll up on Twitter right now mm -hmm. asking if Jays fans are satisfied. And I got, I got a feeling they're not all that satisfied right now. But if they got Iglesias and Syndergaard, how much do you think that would change the poll that we have put up there? Uh, well, can I give you the, the results of the poll and then tell you where I think it would go? We don't have results. We have an ongoing We have an poll. ongoing poll. The, the results as they stand currently. Present. But those wouldn't be results. No. Okay. Results okay, fine, fine. would Submit. insinuate Submit. some Submit. sort of finale, Submit. Jesse. They, it, would yeah. swing, it would swing probably. The poll, the live poll as of right now. Okay, live poll. Would you like to talk about more of the poll? Yes. Okay. 82.3% no. I'm, say I'm not happy with Okay, What's so write that beat? down. Yeah. We are now at 82.3% of Jays fans unhappy with where they are right now. So if okay, I so just what we said, yeah, yeah. if I just said that they finished the deal with the Angels that John Heyman threw out there, it is Iglesias, a closer type, a high leverage bullpen yeah. type, and Syndergaard, a guy who can eat innings but isn't the guy that they traded for R.A. Dickey. For those wondering, yes, he's still got the name, but he is not the guy he once was with the New York Mets. It goes 75%. Yes, I'm satisfied. It swings that much. Even without a bat added to the mix, that would be three bullpen pieces, uh, two of them high leverage. Bass has been very good um, with the Marlins. 
Uh, Pop looks like he's got some nasty stuff. Yeah. And Iglesias, I, I think the Jays fans would be happy. I don't know if it would completely flip. Satisfied is different than happy, though. And the way we phrased it, yes, I'm satisfied. So I just feel like that the Jays fans are content with the lineup, I think. I think the, the massive urge would be to get pitching. Mm -hmm. And as it stands right now, it doesn't seem like Jays fans are satisfied. Okay, so we heard uh, John Paul Morosi. We heard Ben Nicholson-Smith speaking with Blake Murphy mm -hmm. about the possibilities of deals. And the, the, the suspects are pretty similar. And Ian Happ is one of those suspects from the Chicago Cubs. Would that be someone that could alter the idea of what we're seeing right now on Twitter? I think so as well. And Because that's a bat. What John Morosi said and earlier in the day, bat. at 10 a.m. this morning, he said that they have interest in Happ, whose ability to play center field is valuable in light of George Springer's recent injury. Springer, again, not in the lineup tonight. And that is suddenly becoming something that is of interest to, to Blue Jays fans. Because if Springer is going to take... You know, every now and then he's going to take a day off. They're going to be fine to get into the postseason, but you never know about health when you get to the postseason and you need the depth. It's the same. You need depth in the lineup, you need depth in the bullpen, and you need depth in the pitching rotation. If you can address all three, there's no way fans will be disappointed in that. As it stands right now, they've only addressed the bullpen. Right. And, and you could argue, and I will listen to both sides of the argument, whether or not you actually need depth in the lineup. With this lineup as currently constituted? As currently constituted, that lineup is as good as any in Major League Baseball. And they have the guy off the bench in Zimmer, who you discussed yesterday with Arden and Shai, who is in the Dalton Pompey role. For as much grief as Bradley Zimmer gets, you do have that bench piece that can come on as a pinch runner, which is valuable in the postseason. All right, so uh, Jesse Rogers tweeting out, and it's readily available, but the Chicago Cubs released uh, their lineup today. And uh, both Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ are in the lineup tonight. Now, what that means to a deal, they can be scratched. Like Bass, but this yes. might be an early indication that perhaps there is no Happ deal. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit concerning. And I know before the show we had uh, Blake Murphy and Ben Nicholson-Smith on here. And it just feels like every single team that is serious about making a run has made a significant move to improve their team. A significant Correct. move. Correct. And I don't know if it's because we don't, you know, watch as much National League baseball or whatever it is, but Bass's ERA this season is very good. How that plays in the American League East and against the Amer other American League opponents, I'm not sure. No, he's he's been but he's good. He's a good pitcher. He's been really, really, really good. Really good this year. And if you look at the numbers, percentile numbers for Anthony Bass, they've been wonderful. Uh, another one from Jason Stark right now that I think plays into the Jays. The big issue on the Rondon, so the Rodon talks, according to multiple teams, he can opt out after this year. Mm -hmm. So is he a rental or is he owed $25.5 million next year? But why wouldn't he opt out unless he's hurt? So it feels like this is rental for Rodon. And that is altering the price for those who want to pick him up and then what the Giants want back in return. Because the Giants are just saying, he's not a rental. Right. So give us all of your prospects. But, but, common, <laughs> but common sense tells you that he is a rental. Yeah. Because if he's healthy, he opts out of that it deal. Makes more money. Right. And makes more money. Yeah. And if he's not healthy, then you're on the hook for over $20 million for a guy that's been hurt a lot. Yeah. So make the deal if you're the Giants. Just... It seems like they're... You I love how you went from give us all your prospects to make the deal if you're a giant. <laughs> well, you are a great makes, poker player. No, it just makes it makes <laughs> sense for them to ship them off if you don't want to be paying the $20 million to a guy 
uh, who's hurt or potentially you know, have to pay I, more. What I'm, what I'm suggesting, and I think what Jason Stark is suggesting, is you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. So to ask for a lot in return is kind of sort of ridiculous. But as we all know, Luis Castillo to the Mariners set a real high bar. Bob Nightingale, the asking price for Carlos Rodon, Taylor Molly, and we just saw that go. So And Noah Syndergaard remains sky high. Rival team executives say with some contenders already bowing out of the bidding and staying pat. So, I mean... Maley's already gone to the Twins. That's one off that board. Almost everybody's gone. Almost. Well, not Rodon and, no- and Noah Syndergaard, yeah. who we're talking about right now. Syndergaard has, like, for its... And who have been tied to the Jays. Yeah. It, yes. Yes. That's the point. Syndergaard has been... It's been 72 hours of Noah Syndergaard now, probably, if not right. a, li- a little bit longer. He has been the one name. And the closer we go to six, it, it's almost like we have stirred it up to the point where the expectation is now that the Blue Jays will get Noah Syndergaard. And it's like a built-in disappointment if you're unable to get that deal across the finish line. Who even knows how serious those conversations really have been? Well, but that's that's the problem with Twitter right now is that... That's what I mean. It's taking on a life of its own. You see a name thrown out there and we're doing it right now. So we are as guilty as anyone out there. I am not throwing stones from the glass house. I am simply pointing out the fact that you take it as gospel and people get excited about these names. Let me hear what else... Twitter is saying right now because I believe one of the differentiators of this show has been and always will be that you can get in live on the action as we near the 45 minute mark till the trade deadline in Major League Baseball. What are folks saying about the Jays before we move on to Soto? Okay, so Andrew says, am I happy with what the team has done so far and am I satisfied are two different questions. I'm happy that they did the trade they've done. I'm not satisfied. This is the only thing that they do. That is a common take among Jays fans. I got it. It's a seller's market, says Rob, and the prices these teams are paying are extremely high. I'm all for making big deals to improve the team, but not if the prices are such that they will shrink the team's competitive window over the next few years. Feels like you want a little bit of everything there if you're Rob, right? Just to put that in context, uh, we heard John Paul Morosi say earlier uh, last hour that the top four prospects for the Jays plus a major league player would have been what it took to get Juan Soto. Yeah. I mean, you made the point yesterday, the Luis Castillo Hall. Changed the game. Changed the game, without a doubt. For this trade deadline. Yeah. Again, it was a crazy haul, and I think the really I got so many more. I'm going to yeah. keep going. Uh, Blue Jays Express says, Shades of 2014, no better way to tell your team you don't have any confidence in them. Insane move for Atkins to make after they've gone 11-3 and since Schneider has taken over. Brutal. Uh, it is irresponsible not to acquire a decent left-handed hitter for this team. Gives the skipper no options in tight games. Brutal. That's back-to-back brutals. You know what, you know what their track. record is against right-handed starters this year? What's that? 47-33. and 33. So good, in other words. Better than their record against left-handed pitching. Right. I, the, the, so the left-handed thing is like you get into the postseason, you play the matchup game. Gives you an game. option. Yeah. Yep. You don't want to be bringing in. I get it. I just talked about how <laughs> Zimmer's effective as a bench piece, but that's not the guy you want to be bringing in. You, to face you know what specialist. their average is against starting right-handed or against right-handed yeah. pitchers this year? What is it? MLB best 267. Yeah. Like, I, I think that the Jays are happy with where they are. What, that's a fitting term, happy. Yeah, nice. Wink, wink. Manifesting. Nudge, nudge. Manifesting there. <laughs> nice. I like it. Um, I think they're happy with where they are against right-handed pitchers specifically. I know you face better right-handed yeah. pitching when you get to the postseason, but an MLB best 267 against righties might lessen the need for a left-handed bat in that lineup. Listen. Despite what a lot of morons, and, and, I'm, and I mean that, on Twitter, seem to think 
Atkins and Shapiro are not idiots. Like, sure, there are some Shatkins moves out there. I'll acknowledge them. Kendris Morales after Edwin Encarnacion. Not a good move. Chase Anderson, Derek Fisher, Tanner Roark, uh, Brad Hand. I may work <laughs> at Rogers, but I see it. There have been moves that aren't good. They've also made some wonderful moves. Francisco Liriano for half a season for Teoscar Hernandez. Dear God, that's just one of them. In this case, let me explain a little bit here. They acquired two guys in Bass and Pop that are good and will be around for a while. They control Pop for four more years. He's throwing 98 and has some nasty stuff. Bass is a guy they can keep around for at least a year and a half. This was a no-brainer. Given what we know about Shapiro and Atkins, the Jays aren't going to part with high-level prospects for rentals in a season when the Astros and Yankees are this good and adding. Like, you don't move Moreno, Martinez, Tatum in uh, for a rental. It's dumb. If it's a star that you have a couple of years with, have at it, Haas. But for the fans just screaming for a big name because it's out there, You've lost the plot. And judging by Jay's Twitter right now, there are too many of those people out there. Am I saying don't add? No. First answer I had was keep adding. But I understand what they're doing. They're not selling the farm today in a spot where the Astros and Yankees are this good because this team still can be good for years to come and still have a stocked pantry. Well, there are people that do agree with that take. Adam writing in saying no point going all in this year as there are so many more teams much better. Wait for a year when leading division or doing better than what we are. I know that's, they, not, they exactly, still, that's no. not exactly what you they said. They can still win in the playoffs. Yeah. And I understand what you're saying, Adam, and I understand what you're saying, Jesse. Ooh. What the hell is yeah, that? That's another one I wanted to Oh, nice. Into. I love it. Just, yeah, I love nice. the kids watching. I understand. They can still win in the postseason with this lineup. Do they need to add to it? To win in the postseason, I believe so. But don't sell the farm for one year. That's the that's the antithesis of what Shapiro and Atkins have built here. And even even the biggest pundit has to acknowledge that they've done a decent job building this up. Mm -hmm. have, have they not? Yes. Okay. Yes. And they they don't get the the respect they deserve. But ultimately, the, the business is about winning and. People aren't going to be 100% satisfied with your until job you win until everything. you win. Yeah, and, and Toronto and Canada is that market now. Yeah, so starved in every sport outside of too. basketball. Yeah. don't tell me anything about stadiums and what you're doing to the stadium. Give me wins. wins. That's what they're selling right now. Wins. There's no more hope across Canada. And anyone who thinks that, if you're advertising for any of these teams, <laughs> you're just flat out wrong. Sell wins now. Canada starved for winners. Uh, well, let's see if the Blue Jays can get a win tonight at the Trop. A couple notes about what's going on with the Jays down there. Uh, Matt Gage will be active tonight, says John Schneider. Otto Lopez is here in case needed, says Shy. George Springer will do some work on the field as Blue Jays want to see how he feels tomorrow before returning him to action. Uh, Caitlin McGrath says plan right now is for Anthony Bass and Zach Pop to meet the Blue Jays in Minneapolis for the series that begins Thursday, early okay. day game here in Tampa tomorrow. So that makes more sense. Gotcha. Springer thing's a little bit concerning. I'd like to Springer thing is definitely a little bit concerning. And the lack of real information, other than he's okay on Alec Manoa, I feel may be playing into the Jays' deadline yeah. because they can't say either of those guys are banged up because all of a sudden their leverage on any deal goes down. That's a very good point. Uh, 41 minutes to the deadline as we continue to count down. That's it's not like we're moving, kids. We go. will, we've got you covered basically yeah. baseball for the next hour. I mean, that's a lot of fun. 
That's why we're here. The San Diego Padres are the winners of the Juan Soto sweepstakes, beating out their division rival Dodgers for the 23-year-old two-time All-Star. First baseman Josh Bell, who's a former All-Star himself, is also heading to San Diego in the deal. In exchange for Soto, Washington gets first baseman Luke Voigt and five prospects, including left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore and shortstop C.J. Abrams. Soto, of course, turned down a 15-year $440 million extension from the Nationals and is eligible to become a free agent after the 2024 season. Josh Bell can become a free agent after this season. Now, it was originally believed that San Diego was also sending Eric Hosmer and his $20 million salary to the Nats, but Hosmer, who has a no-trade list, reportedly turned down the deal. That was a crazy hour or so on Twitter. Uh, the Padres and Nationals worked out a deal without Hosmer, and San Diego then sent Hosmer to the Red Sox, who were not on his no-trade list, with the Padres reportedly picking up most of the $44 million remaining on his contract. The Padres made another move, picking up utility infielder Brandon Drury from the Reds. Drury is having a career season with 20 home runs and 59 RBI in 93 games this year. Uh, some are calling the Soto deal the biggest in baseball history, Timmy. Is it a good deal for the Padres? I mean, I guess if they beat the Dodgers, yes. Yeah. The, the answer always for the San Diego Padres is if they beat the Dodgers, yes, but they have put themselves. A.J. Preller, who is the GM there, has made it quite clear to anyone who's paying attention. He knows he needs stars to beat the Los Angeles Dodgers and get out of the National League, never mind his division. And he's tried to do this before. Last year, he got scooped on Scherzer and Turner by the Dodgers. It looked like the Dodgers were going to jump in and maybe take Soto again, but he comes up with a haul of five prospects. So, you're, listen, you're getting the first player in Major League Baseball history, 23 or younger, to change teams midseason the year he was an All-Star in Soto. He's a World Series champion. He's an MVP runner-up. He's a two-time Silver Slugger. He's a home run derby champ, and he's also the youngest player in NL history to win a batting title. This is a really good player. You add that to what they already have and they are as good as anyone in Major League Baseball right now. Whether they can get it done when it matters the most, we will see. And for those wondering what they gave up, they gave up five real prospects yeah. to get it. And you've got three former top ten picks in there. You've got C.J. Abrams who's in the Major Leagues, but if he wasn't, he would be another top prospect. Hassel is their first overall prospect, 21 overall in MLB Pipeline. James Woods uh, <laughs> slip of the tongue. It's a different guy. James Wood, <laughs> number three. Um, they gave up a lot to get this, but this is what the Padres wanted. This is what the Padres need to compete, and they want to compete now, given what they're playing Machado and what they're paying Fernando Tatis Jr., who looks like he's going to be back soon. Yeah, Padres' ownership is serious. Like $300 million to Machado, three forty to Tatis, Musgrove, $100 million, now Soto. Like, they, yeah. they want to win. Don't, don't forget, like, they still have got guys. Like, Will Myers is still on that yeah. team making some money, yeah. right? Like, I think the, the number was before Hosmer got dealt, 10 guys making $15 million or more per season. They're not small market. Now nine. They're not small market. They are anymore. not small market right now. Okay. Uh, you know who's coming up next is John Morosi. That's correct. Uh, here's what he just tweeted out um, one minute or two minutes ago. Uh, Noah Syndergaard pursuit is down to two finalists, Jays and Phillies. I think you'll ask him about that. Still to come, <laughs> tons of reaction as we lead up 
and past the MLB trade deadline, including you at Tim and Friends on Twitter and Instagram. Hit us up with your questions or comments on the Jays deadline or anything else. Shy Davidi in Tampa, Jeff Blair in studio, that man, John Paul Morosi from Blue Jays Central. Yeah, I saw you tweeting, John Paul. I saw you tweeting. Uh, plus later, Ian Rappaport and a couple of uh, busy stories in the NFL. Tim and Friends trade deadline is about 36 minutes away. So please stick around. We'll get you the latest. And surprisingly, we get paid to do this. Fun. They're going for it. And here it is. Padres and the Nationals have agreed in Whoa. principle. On a Juan Soto trade with Josh Bell also going to San Diego. It's both Juan Soto and Josh Bell going to the San Diego Padres for a really strong package going the other way. Top five player in the game, top two to three hitter in the entire story. In the history of the game, have you ever saw this type of player in the prime of his career get traded? This to me is a landmark day in the history of the San Diego Padres. T-minus 30 minutes from the MLB trade deadline, and what a day it has already been. Juan Soto is officially a Padre. The Jays adding to the bullpen with Anthony Bass and Zach Pop, though could be lots more to come in the next half an hour, so keep it locked right here, Tim and friends. MLB trade deadline special, the man who broke the Juan Soto deal joins me now. It is John Paul Morosi from the Blue Jays Central Studio. What's going on, Morosi? How are you, man? Tim, I'm outstanding. Typically, we begin our conversations with Italian soccer. No need today. (laughs) We've got plenty of baseball news in front of us. And if you'll excuse me, at times during our conversation, I might glance down at my phone. I don't mean to be rude. I wanted to just mention that uh, at the beginning. We've got baseball news quite literally in front of you at one point during that spot. And listen, if you have to go down to the phone, I've done this for a while. I can tap dance for a little while. And if you have any news to break, you let me know. Jay's leaving it to the wire here, which is why you'll be glancing down at that phone. In part, been hearing all day that they're active. Are they still active as we count down under 29 minutes? They are, Tim, and the name that I keep hearing was an original Blue Jay and Noah Syndergaard. The Jays and Phillies are the two finalists to acquire Syndergaard from the Angels. The Jays certainly could still upgrade their bullpen, but the starting rotation, I think, would have a really powerful trickle-down effect because it allows you to potentially have stripling in the bullpen, gives you some insurance uh, should Kikuchi have some struggles down the stretch. You see what Syndergaard has done so far this season. Obviously, it was just the one start in 2021. He had missed all the time in 2020. Uh, his velocity has been down. And, of course, there he is, the early days. When he was part of that vaunted Lansing lug nuts rotation with Aaron Sanchez and Justin Nicolino. I remember watching... Uh, a game there the summer when they were all there with that unique piggybacking mentality years and years ago with Alex Anthopoulos. That was, goodness, 10 years ago when they were there together in Lansing. So it would be a nice circle closing for Noah, and I think he addresses a need for them. The, the Jays were involved on Montas. They had been checking around a number of different starting pitchers. I still think there's a pairing to be had there with the, the Detroit Tigers. They've got Michael Fulmer still available, Joe Jimenez, Gregory Soto. Yeah. So the Tigers could still move some of that bullpen. And finally, the Chicago Cubs. They've already traded David Robertson to the Philadelphia Phillies, but a lot of their inventory, uh, Michael Givens, 
course, among the bats, Ian Happ, Wilson Contreras, who I think is probably more likely going to the Mets or the Rays. So I think between the sellers, the Cubs and the Tigers and the Angels are probably the most aggressive sellers to watch in this final half hour. And the Ian Happ piece... Tim, I, I really feel like on George Springer, we're not going to get full clarity yeah. on exactly what's happening with that elbow until sometime after 6 p.m. Eastern time because <laughs> right now that's a bit of a leverage scenario for the Toronto Blue Jays. It, it's just a player who loves to play as much as George loves to play. When he's out for a period of time, as tough of a player as he is, we saw him wincing in pain in the outfield with that right elbow. I just... Something about this makes me worried, and if I was the Jays, I would make darn sure that I get someone who I believe can play center field, and we know Ian Happ, not a star center fielder, but a capable one. And one more name I would mention, uh, you, you think about the different possibilities. Uh, Michael Taylor had been mentioned as a really good trade candidate, but notably with Kansas City, when the Royals came up yeah. here, he did not. And so we have to remember uh, there is a two-tiered approach here at the trade deadline. Does he fit, and can he travel to Canada? Right. Um, for, the, for the record, Ian Happ in the lineup. Now, he can be scratched, but he is in the lineup for the Chicago Cubs as of right now. Wilson Contreras also in the lineup for the Cubs. But I want to circle back on the Angels and Noah Syndergaard. Is Iglesias in those conversations and what would be the return on a guy like Syndergaard because we keep hearing that this starting pitching market is very high. It is hot and I think one thing about Iglesias is he really hasn't pitched up to his normal standard this season Tim and he's got a hefty contract to go along with it that he just signed last offseason. So for me I look at Iglesias and if I'm the Jays I'm not so sure that I like the contract at its full value right now. I would much rather pay the higher prospect price to get a Gregory Soto from the Tigers or a Michael Fulmer from the Tigers, especially given that I've already got a closer in-house in Jordan Romano. So for me, just reading the tea leaves here, I think Iglesias being mentioned in this conversation is more the Angels hoping to move some salary right. as opposed to the Jays saying they need a capital C closer. I think they've got one. Romano, for me, has really sustained his stuff during the course of the season. I would much rather focus on a Michael Fulmer or somebody that I really trust to get key outs in the seventh or the eighth inning. Hmm. Are the, the Tigers are quiet here. Like this is among the shocking things out there is that the Tigers are quiet. You, you know that market pretty well. Do, do you think that they'll still make some moves here? I mean, basically we treated the weekend like there was a, a tryout for their bullpen. I'm baffled, to be yeah. honest with you, Tim, at the Tigers' level of inactivity. They moved Robbie Grossman last night. Yeah. But the key pieces that can really help this organization move forward uh, are still in place. And it seems to me that unless they make a significant deal in the next 24 minutes, that they've missed an opportunity. Because we saw over the weekend the way, the way that Gregory Soto has thrown. You see Jimenez there in a start at Comerica Park, or a relief appearance at Comerica Park earlier this season. Fulmer as well. Lang we saw pitch very well at Rogers Center over the weekend. Tim, for me, this is the classic case when you have a good bullpen and you are a bad team, which the Tigers are, you almost always should trade those players at the deadline, or at least two of them. I understand if you want to keep some of your, yeah. your bullpen depth yeah. for the future, but 
move them when teams need them and teams need them when they're contenders at the deadline like the Mets I would mention is one more possibility maybe the Mets find a way to pair up with the Cubs here in the last half hour with Contreras and Michael Givens listen we're going to continue to uh, look forward here because we are counting down to the actual deadline 6 p.m. Eastern for the uninitiated but I do want to look back for a second do you think the Jays could have gotten Soto you know, Tim, it's a great question. We talked about it a bit earlier today with, with Blake uh, on, on the Fan 590 yep. side. I think for me, it would have been significant, but if you as a Jays fan would say, I would have given up Bichette, Tiedemann, Moreno, and Martinez, I think that would have put them within range of what uh, the Padres ultimately gave up to get Juan Soto. And obviously Josh Bell was part of that conversation too. Uh, so for me, it really hinges on how you feel about Bo Bichette. There's the one additional year of control on Bo in comparison to what Juan Soto has. Bo has had, I think to this point in time, a, a, an average shortstop career so far. You look at his production. Obviously, he's still a young player. There's still a distance for him to go, and I think he can still make some adjustments and be more of a perennial all-star. But, but Juan Soto's a Hall of Famer. And when you consider what you could have gotten with him, it would have been a very, to, to use the, the 2015 comparison, it would have been a very Alex Anthopoulos move to, to make that move. And you know what? Some of the 2015 moves were wise. And I think this would have been out of the same playbook, out of the same desperate mentality to, to make that move and to, to draw yourself a little closer to the New York Yankees and Houston Astros. Because right now, Tim, as yep. we speak, and you see all the players the Nationals have given up, I just don't see the Jays as being that close to beating the Yankees or the Astros in a seven-game series. I could be wrong, mm -hmm. and they may prove me wrong. And they've got still 20 minutes to, to make a move that maybe draws them a little closer. I just wonder about the depth. I wonder about their ability to, to really do damage against quality right-handed pitching when you run out eight right-handed bats against someone like a Garrett Cole or a Justin Verlander in a playoff series. Juan Soto, Tim, so perfectly fit what this team needed. And I'm a believer that, that there was a package to be had if it was headlined by Bo Bichette. Now, I'll give the Jays front office this. If the request was Bo Bichette and Alec Manoa, I would have said no to that. But if it was Bo Bichette plus Tiedemann, Martinez, Moreno... I would have said yes to that deal. And that would match up with what the Padres ended up giving up. I want to ask you a tough question. It comes to, to us from Steve, who wrote in on Twitter. And this was about 15 minutes ago, so, so bear with me. But we're trying to do it all live here on national TV. 37 minutes to find out if Atkins slow played the Jays into a failed deadline. Even with Bass and Pop, all competitors have sailed past so far. If there are no other moves, John Paul, do you believe the Jays have failed their team or their fans? It's a fair question. And I, I would describe right now the Jays' deadline as underwhelming. Right. This, this should not be where it stops. If they bring in Syndergaard and Hap, I think that's an acceptable deadline. If, if they would have gotten Soto, that would have been an extraordinary deadline for obvious reasons. But at least Syndergaard and Hap would address some fundamental issues. Given everything that we've talked about, the dearth of left-handed bats and the concern over Springer, and even wanting to find someone that could pair up with Espinal at times at second base, there is every reason for this team to make a significant move. And I would even say this with the Angels. 
the name that I really advocate strongly for them to attach to Syndergaard is not Raisel Iglesias, but Luis Renjifo, a, a switch-hitting yeah. infielder who can play short and second. That's the kind of player that I would want. It's one more lefty bat. I think he would bring a lot there. And, and I'll make a final point, Tim, as well, about the Jays' strategy. It wasn't as though they were all in on one player who was traded at 555 and it spoiled their whole deadline. The, the pace of movement this year has been steady since yesterday, which is actually, I would say, to the Jays' advantage. A more methodical organization, which the Jays are in many ways, it would have played to their advantage because you're allowing the, the, the pieces to sort of formulate in front of you, and, and no one can ever say, well, we ran out of time. They've had plenty of time, and the Soto news broke this morning. Yeah. So there's not a, it's not as though there was a massive shock that dropped on their laps 10 minutes before the deadline. That's not at all the case. Everything's in front of them. The pieces are there. They know what they need, and they've got 18, 26 to go uh, before they have to have their pencils down and answer some questions. <laughs> all right, kids, pencils down. Uh, one last one before we let you go, and I know we got to go to break here, guys, but I got John Heyman here tweeting out, Yankees been talking to Marlins about Pablo Lopez would be prospects if it happens. I assumed when the Jays made the deal with Florida that they probably would have already had the Pablo Lopez conversation. This would, I mean, I don't mean to make Jays fans nervous, but this would be another major ad for the Yankees. It would be. And obviously, remember the Yankees. They've had the questions about Luis Severino. You think about Jordan Montgomery and, and, and the injuries in his past where maybe they want to be careful with his innings going forward. Uh, obviously, to add Pablo Lopez would be a, a coup for the Yankees because they don't necessarily need him on their depth chart at the moment. But I, I do think, and you see what they've already done. See, this to me is a really nice, gradual successful deadline for the Yankees. They were able to give up certainly some good prospect value to bring in two players, starter and reliever from Oakland, controllable reliever in Efros, and they got Benintendi, who is exactly what they needed. They needed somebody that was more contact-oriented to effectively replace Joey Gallo. That is a successful gradual methodical deadline mm -hmm. a deadline that candidly I thought the Jays were capable of having and they've got about 17 minutes to, to prove me otherwise I'm Rosie always love the information I will tell you this uh, if they add Lopez to Benintendi Trevino <laughs> Montas and Efros there will be some Efros in Toronto but it'll Don't be about cancel the season Tim. <laughs> keep the faith my friend keep the faith there is uh, John Palmarosi always great information and congrats on breaking the Soto deal Thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. Uh, there is John Paul Morosi. If you're not following him on Twitter, you're not doing baseball right. Time for a quick break. We will continue to monitor the trade deadline as we count down to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Jeff Blair joins me in studio, and we will go right through the deadline with Mr. Blair. Get your questions in as we continue to break down the Jays and beyond on this deadline day in Major League Baseball. Welcome back to Tim and Friends as we count down to the deadline. 11 minutes away. Jeff Blair has joined me in studio. Jay's still stuck on bass and pop as of right now. Hold off on that for a second, Jesse, because I've got news. Ken Rosenthal. Twins get Michael Fulmer from the Tigers. Sources tell The Athletic. I will follow that up with John Heyman. Twins have had a huge day. 
Lopez, Molly, and Fulmer. And that adds to an American League, Jeff, that seemingly is getting better around the Jays. And how about Ken Rosenthal just sending out that the Phillies are close in Syndergaard? Um, okay. Yeah, look, this is, the, this is the thing. If you take a look around the American League right now, the Jays added a couple of arms that will help them in the bullpen. But everybody else around them added much more. I mean, every team that they could conceivably run into in the playoffs, and they are in, you know, they're in the playoffs right now. Let's yep. give them that. Yep. Every team that they could conceivably run into in the playoffs have improved more than the Jays have improved. I mean, there's no other way around it. Now, we've got a few minutes left, and there are still a lot of names out there that have, have been out there from the get-go. But, uh, yeah, it's, I heard your interview with John Paul Morosi. Underwhelming is, I think, being polite. Okay, so let's, let's assume here within the nine minutes that we've got to the deadline that there is still work. We've heard all day that they have been active. Right. What would the names that would take it from underwhelming, which both you and I agree. Listen, at 5 o'clock when we came out, 5 o'clock Eastern, I just assumed that the Jays were going to add to the haul that they already had. And we haven't seen it as of yet. Who are the names that you think could take them to the spot where we're not underwhelming anymore? I mean, I would. Ian Happ yeah. would would be a start. I've got a lot of concern about George Springer. I don't think we know exactly how seriously he's been hurt. I think they need another bat in here just in case because clearly you're going to be monitoring George Springer's status for the rest of the way. And Gregory Soto, or or Joe Jimenez from the Tigers. Right. Soto, I think makes it a little closer to what you wanted to see. Uh, Jimenez, though, would be an improvement as well. The, the main, I mean, I can tell you this. From talking to the coaching staff this weekend, from spending time down at the ballpark, mm -hmm. I, they very clearly, they made it clear to everybody, you know, off the record, but all the reporters down there, they expected two impact arms, whether that's two relievers mm -hmm. or a reliever and a starter, they expected Ross Atkins to deliver two impact arms because Cindergard, when you look at it, might seem a little underwhelming, but the Jays are in a situation right now where they, they need cover for Alec Manoa, just in case. Yep. You need cover for, you say, Kikuchi because you don't know what the hell he's going to give you. Right. And I think that's why when you talk to folks around the Jays, they were looking for more better depth than what they have. We have uh, two tweets and an update on what we just heard from Rosie. That we do. Uh, Jason Stark tweeting out, the Phillies have traded Mickey Moniak and a second prospect to the Angels for Noah Syndergaard. So there it is. Noah so Syndergaard, Syndergaard will not be a goes to the Phillies. That takes another, that checks yet another starter off the list that the Jays had been tied to. What's the other tweet? That you the have? other tweet is that the Blue Jays have added an arm, acquiring right-hander Mitchell White from the Los Angeles Dodgers for minor league pitchers. A 370 ERA this season for Mitchell White. Right, so he's pitched 56 innings for the Dodgers, so Inter another piece. Yeah. yeah, interesting because Mitchell White had been sort of mulled around as part of a potential package uh, that the Dodgers might send to uh, Washington for Juan Soto. Not a main, obviously not a main no, feature no, of something it, but a potential, uh, a potential arm. They had some success with Ross Stripling as a guy who had uh, yeah. spot started for the Dodgers and found some time in that rotation. Yeah, is it going to 
you know, does it does it help you beat Tampa Bay or the Yankees or Minnesota or Seattle? I don't know. Probably. Best news of the trade deadline for the Jays so far is that the Baltimore Orioles have just imploded. Right. And you've got 15 games against them. Right. Uh, this is a real interesting one because what can happen here, and for those who don't know, is that these trades can continue to trickle after the 6 p.m. hour. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. Jeff Blair is going to stay with us. We'll come back before 6 p.m. Eastern. And then after the top of the hour, at the top of the clock, we'll fill you in on all the breaking news, deals, and anything that trickles in past the 6 p.m. Eastern hour. Plus, head to Tampa, check in with Shai Davidi, and tonight's game against the Rays, by the way. All that coming up. So we'll take the break. Deep breath. Deadline approaches here on Tim and Friends. All right, back a little early here. Thank you, Sheepdogs. Trade deadline edition of Tim and Friends. Jeff Blair with me in studio. We are just seconds away from the MLB trade deadline. But, of course, deals still can be made public shortly after the deadline. So stick around. we got you covered. Shai Davidi coming up. Of course, big news of the day. Juan Soto being dealt to the San Diego Padres. But most of our audience focused on what the Jays did or didn't do today. After a deal with the Marlins that got the Jays, Anthony Bass and Zach Pop for Jordan Groshans, the fourth-rated prospect in the Jays' uh, farm system, according to MLB Pipeline, though he has been dropping a little bit of late. They did pick up, at the deadline, Mitchell White. He is the latest pickup from the Los Angeles Dodgers and an intriguing guy, Jeff. He's young. He's got that controllable asset tied to him as they have control till 2028 on him and an interesting piece is he in the Ross Stripling mold or is that me just drawing a conclusion because they both play for the Dodgers I and mean, he throws a little harder than Stripling not much harder than Stripling look he's he's been a part of a very good team that would indicate to me that there's that's one of those situations where somebody in the organization really really likes him one of your scouts really really likes him and uh, he was available and you know, we have seen this year that the Jays do not have any depth in the minor leagues. Sorry, he just hit 60. I had to interrupt you right in the middle of that. That's, a, no, that's all right. That's all right. All right so I've been interrupted for in, in worse ways. I don't know about for less, but I've been interrupted in all worse right, ways. So, so continue the thought, and again, they can trickle in past sure. the deadline. Uh, we're talking about the Jays' farm system, as I yeah. rudely interrupted you with CSI horns. Right. No, that's uh, that's no problem. Look, the Jays, uh, the Jays' farm system, they have, they have no pitching depth in it. They've got a lot of Thomas Hatches. They've got a lot of Anthony Kays. These are guys who clearly haven't been able to help at the major league level. Uh, Max Castillo, he's just a guy, but, you know, at least he, he gives you a chance to compete. And I think that, if anything, this trade deadline, and again, let's see what trickles in here, but I think this, this might cause the Jays to want to take a little bit of a, a look at, at their minor league system. You know, it's a dangerous game to sit there and say, well, okay, the Padres gave up their second prospect, their third prospect, their fifth prospect. Why didn't the Jays give up their second, third, fifth, uh, you know, in the Juan Soto deal? Keep in mind these ratings aren't sacrosanct. Right. They're just ratings. They're a bunch of people getting together, 
with good information and algorithms and ranking players. But I always tell people, when it comes to prospects, it doesn't matter what Baseball America says. Baseball America may have Gabriel Moreno ranked first. Mm -hmm. Keith Law has him fourth. If I'm a team looking at him, I might look at him and go, yeah, he's okay. He's like, you know, he's, I wouldn't say he's the fourth best. Maybe, maybe they view him as the Jays' third best prospect. Right. You just can't sort of play that game where everybody's top prospect is equal to everybody else's top prospect. So that would indicate to me that the minor league system, for all the talk about Arelvis Martinez and Gabriel Moreno and, and Ricky Tiedemann, who is going to be good, it might suggest to me that perhaps your minor league system is not as deep as you right. think it is. That's one of those things in Major League Baseball that everyone thinks that their minor league system is great. Of course, yeah. You go around city to city and all the fan bases oh my God, think yeah. our number one ranked oh. guy is great. And, and maybe this is telling us something a little bit about Jays and what they have in their system. I want to get to some of the, the trickle-down effect that you mentioned. Jack Curry from Yes, uh, Yankees Entertainment and Sports. Yankees have sent Jordan Montgomery to the cards for Harrison Bader. So speaking of starting pitching, mm. as Keith says, at the buzzer, Okay. Jordan Montgomery to the cards. We're also hearing the Jays have made another deal at the buzzer. Whit wow. Merrifield has right. been acquired by the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, this the first thing that comes to mind, of course, Whit Merrifield didn't accompany the, the Royals to Toronto because he wasn't vaxxed. He was... <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. He was the guy who did say... You know, I don't, I, I'm not vaxxed, but if I was traded a team that's contending, I'd probably think about it and go ahead and get vaxxed. So, you know, whatever that may have said to his Kansas City Royals teammates, the fact of the matter is I, I've got to think that that's been addressed here. And, uh, you know, looking for the return, Max Castillo, who I just mentioned, there's the one minor league pitcher, you're like, he's gone. It's a Mad Taylor, kind of a lower ranked prospect. Whit Merrifield is 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 going to give the guy some versatility, or the yeah, Jason second versatility. baseman and an outfielder that can play a bunch of different spots. Yeah, he's going he's going to give him another bat. And this, and I think, again, as John Paul Morosi said just before I came on, this to me, you know, let's wait and see what we hear about George Springer going forward. But this suggests to me that perhaps the Jays realized they needed some cover for George Springer. Uh, I've got to think that they were at least talking to the Cubs about Ian Happ. Who the hell knows what the Cubs are doing? This is better deadline. than Ian Happ, is it not? Comparable? I mean, Two-time All-Star steals some bases? I would, I would rather, if it's me, I'd rather have Ian Happ. Okay. okay. But uh, we have uh, Mark Feinstein and the return now for you. Right. Whit Merrifield goes to the Blue Jays for Samad Taylor, Taylor and Max Castillo. So, uh, as per Mark Feinstein, and this isn't locked or loaded in any way, shape, or form, but it seems as though the Jays have got Whit Merrifield from the Royals for Samad Taylor mm -hmm. and Max Castillo. Yeah, and there, you know, if I, I will say this, if uh, if George Springer's George Springer's injury is something that's going to have to be monitored the rest of the year, George Springer has said that, and if he's thinking mm -hmm. that, if he's thinking that, then it's going to have to be monitored. This does give them a certain amount of a certain amount of protection there. Okay, so uh, let's break this down now. Jeff Blair, right? Jesse Rubinoff, yeah. Canada at Tim and Friends here on Twitter. Anthony Bass, Zach Pop, Mitchell White, and Whit Merrifield. How is that for the poll that we threw out there earlier today on whether or not Jays fans should be satisfied with the deadline? Jeff Blair, I'll give you first crack at this again. Anthony Bass, Zach Pop, Mitchell White, and at the buzzer, along with Mitchell White, Whit Merrifield. 
And, and we might have to wait on Whit Merrifield a little bit here in Canada, given the fact that he did not cross the border. So if you were to get vaccinated, you'd have to wait six weeks, excuse me, six weeks, two weeks right. after the vaccination if he hasn't been vaccinated Yeah, yet. the good news is, <clears throat> as far as that goes, the Jays are on the road for nine days, so the border won't be an issue. Right. Won't be an issue. And 16 of their next 22 are on the road. Right. Um, it, I'm, I'm, Whit Merrifield... Again, gives me a little bit of comfort because I have my suspicions about George Springer's health. Mm -hmm. In terms of the pitching, you've got, you've got two guys who have better stuff than the guys they're going to replace. I mean, whoever loses out in the Blue Jays' bullpen, Anthony Bass has got better stuff than them. Zach Pops developed the power sinker. He is going to have better stuff than whoever he replaces. But it's not Gregory Soto. It's not an upper-end bullpen arm. You're going to go into the playoffs with Jordan Romano as your closer. Mm -hmm. Jordan Romano gives up contact. I have a question for Jeff. What does this do about, uh, if Max Castillo is basically the sixth guy in the rotation, if Yusei Kikuchi doesn't pan out or, you know, that was a one-off that last start, who's the next man up? to step up, and should they have addressed the starting rotation depth a little bit? I mean, it, could be, it could be Mitch White. Right. I, I, I mean, it, he, he, could be, he could be this year's, he could be this year's, this year's Ross Stripling. Um, as I said, the, the, Jays, uh, the Jays don't have a lot of depth in, in, in terms of pitching. You know, they've got some guys at AA uh, that, that might be able to come up, but I would think right now that Mitch White may be profiles in that category. Look, the Jays... The Jays need Yusei Kikuchi to come good. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a reason they're spending that money on him. They yep. need him to come good this year. Given what they've done here, if Yusei Kikuchi doesn't come good, you've got Alec Manoa. At some point, you're going to have to start thinking about his workload. I, I hear all the stuff about he's a horse and et cetera, et cetera. At some point, you're going to have to start thinking about his workload. Because he's never done it before. Because he's never done it before. They have left themselves really in, in a really tenuous position when it comes to their starting pitching. And I didn't think they could do that coming out of this deadline. All right, we're still getting uh, pieces trickling in as we speak. Jay's tweeting out moments ago, so we have acquired... Right-handed pitcher Mitch White and infielder Alex De Jesus from the Dodgers in exchange for Nick Frasso and Moises Brito. So the full deal officially from the Jays. Mitch White, a starting pitcher who can be long out of the bullpen as well. 15 appearances with the Dodgers, 10 of them starts, along with Alex De Jesus for Nick Frasso and Moises Brito. Nick Frasso's an interesting guy. He is a guy that really really caught a lot of people's attention this year in Vancouver. Uh, the Cubs, we know for a fact, the Cubs have scouted the hell out of the Blue Jays organization. The Cubs are really interested in him. That makes me think that maybe the potential of some sort of Ian Happ deal you know, may have revolved around, around that. But, you know, the Cubs, we'll have to wait and see what they did with Wilson Contreras. You know, the Cubs have done this before. I, they I got have... something on Wilson Contreras. Uh, Jeff Passan, not going to be any buzzer beaters from the Chicago Cubs, sources say. Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ will remain with the Cubs, as Ken Rosenthal said. Also staying, Carlos Rodon, Jock Peterson, Martin Perez, Matt Moore, still waiting word on the Red Sox trade candidates. Yes, yeah. and that's kind of surprising. 
uh, with Wilson Contreras. I think a lot of people thought the Cubs would would move on from him, but yeah. the Cubs have done this before. They, for whatever reason, um, they don't necessarily think that just because they're going to lose a guy as a free agent, they necessarily have to go out and and make a move. You know, go out and make a move to get something in, in return move, for him. Yeah. I'm surprised Ian Happ didn't move more than Wilson Contreras because I think the catcher's market. Uh, Dan O'Dowd sent something on the MLB Network today that was just terrific, talking about bringing a catcher in in midseason and turning your pitching staff over to him. There's a lot of learning that has to go on. Right. And you, you know, you you can't you can't gradually work Wilson Contreras in. He's going to have to come in and start for you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the Cubs the Cubs kind of got caught here. The Cubs kind of got caught. Okay, we should have maybe moved Wilson Contreras earlier. We're going to keep going with uh, the tweets saying who's done, where it's officially done, and who's going back again. Uh, the Jays, Anthony Bass, Zach Pop, that was earlier in the day with the Marlins for Jordan Groshans. They have also picked up, as we just mentioned, Mitch White and DeJesus from the Dodgers and Whit Merrifield from the Royals, though he did not come with Kansas City when they came to Toronto suggesting that he has yet to be vaccinated. I don't have the complete update on that. And I know uh, Jesse Rubinoff, who has been manning the ones and twos on Twitter and Instagram, has been giving me the eyes for the last five minutes. What's going on over on your computer? Uh, Okay. Uh, Rysel Iglesias has just literally just been traded from the Angels to the Atlanta Braves. That uh, per Jeff Passan, among others. So that's another one that you can cross off the Toronto Blue Jays list, obviously. I don't know if the Jays are done quite yet, but deals will continue to... Yesterday is Alex Anthopoulos uh, never shy at this time of year, Jeff Blair? No, uh, definitely not. And, uh, you know, just looking at Rysel Iglesias, Alex has taken on some money there. We'll have to see if there's any money coming back. I know that's going to drive Blue Jays fans nuts. Uh, You know, it's... It would be really out of this organization's philosophical comfort zone to have gone out and brought in uh, Rysel Iglesias and, and assumed, assumed that much money. I mean, there's a reason they didn't sign Liam Hendricks. They drew a line with Liam Hendricks in terms of how long they were willing to go and how much they were willing to commit to him. Mm-hmm. But, but here's what really would really bother me about the Jays if, if I was a, a Jays fan. Okay. We've known for two months they need bullpen help. This this isn't something that materialized a week before the All-Star break. And last year, we saw Ross Atkins move early, getting Trevor Trevor Richards and Adam Simber. Okay, people are going to say Trevor Richards or Adam Simber. They stabilized the bullpen last year. They stabilized the bullpen to the point where the team was able to come within a game of making the playoffs. I understand you need two to tango. Mm -hmm. But... I'm looking at all the time that has passed between the realization that the Jays' bullpen wasn't good enough to the trade deadline. And the only moves you've made have been for Zach Pop and Anthony Bass. Right? So if you'd waited because you thought you were going to get Michael Fuller, Michael Fulmer or Gregory Soto or even Joe Jimenez, okay, then you know, you, you, the market played out. But to wait as long and to go through as many games as we have seen the Blue Jays go through with this bullpen and come away with this, again, unless there's something in the pipeline that hasn't been made official yet, that's puzzling and, and frankly disappointing. The organizational mantra 
in the middle of that you said that and I thought team control is still so they didn't give up on any of their prospects as we speak right, right now except uh, for Jordan Groshans but I mean yeah, yeah he's I, I guess the fourth rated prospect yes I stand correct yeah but he's dropped a little bit over the year. He's hit one home run in AAA yes. this year and in a league where a bunch of people are smacking the cover off the ball. Um, but team control for Zach Pop, four years. Yep. Uh, you've got team control on Mitch White until 2028. Mm -hmm. uh, Anthony Bass and Whit Merrifield, you get one and a half years of right. control on both of them, provided you pick up the team option on right. Bass. It, it seems like, to me, that the Jays stuck to their organizational mantra this deadline whether you like it or not yeah and, and what you're saying is fair and I agree with about 85 percent of it they stuck to that organizational mantra yes they acted like an organization that realizes at some point it is going to have to pay a crap ton of money to Vladdy and Bo and Alec Manoa and maybe they want to re-sign Lourdes Gurriel they've acted like an organization that understands that at some point you are going to need you're going to need somebody to be really cost effective correct you're never going to have the highest payroll in baseball so you need Gabriel Moreno to come up and contribute at some point over the next two years you just do because there you it'll get to the point where you're not going to be able to afford if this team is as good as you think it's going to be and the players are as good as you think they're going to be you're not going to be able to afford this group yes that that was the one thing that I thought was underplayed in the Toronto media heading into this, or at least the national Canadian media, is that, I mean, Barrios' number is going up next year. Yep. Uh, Vladdy's number is going up next year. Yep. Teoscar's number is going up next year. Bo's number is going up next year. Ryu, whatever you get back on insurance, you're still paying for that, and you have to replace the guy because he won't be back. Like, I wonder if there weren't more budgetary concerns surrounding this team. And I'll, and I'll say, I'll add one more to that. I think Whit Merrifield might be a better player than we're giving him credit for right now. Yeah, uh, that's entirely possible. But I think, by and large, your assessment is right. It's uh, this is a team that you know they they're paying George Springer a lot of money. Yeah. They're they're paying Barrios a lot of money. In the past, they have not been afraid to move top prospects. So uh, it's it's not. I don't want to hear this, well, that's Ross Atkins. He never moves his prospects. That's not true. He traded Austin Martin last year. He yeah. traded Gunnar Hoagland this year for Matt Chapman. So that's, that's a silly argument. Anybody who says that, well, Ross Atkins isn't going to trade his prospects hasn't, frankly, mm -hmm. hasn't been paying attention. Now, are they perhaps overvaluing Gabriel Moreno? Well, we can have, we can have a discussion I'll have that discussion, that. too. They got three catchers, right? Yeah. Like, and they got, listen, if you can play three catchers, then by all means. Yeah. But you... You develop talent for two reasons. One, to play on your team, and two, to deal in spots like this. At the San Diego Padres. Without Look a at doubt. the San Diego Padres. And, they just and backed I, up the truck and said, and, and, and the thing is, you know, a, a lot of people around San Diego, and I heard this in the MLB network today, and it was really true. You know, the people who deserve credit for what the Padres were able to do today where they're scouting and player development people because Without they identified all these people. They developed them to the point Without where other organizations want them. The Washington National said, we've got not a, maybe a once-in-a-lifetime player, but <laughs> we like your guys so much. You know what? We're going to make yeah. a deal for them. And that's, when you talk about minor league systems, it's not just the guys that are developed to come up and help your team. It's the guys 
who are developed to the point where other teams want them. And that gets me back to this system. Right. It's possible that the Jays overvalue their minor league players, which they wouldn't be the first organization to do that. Listen, the L.A. Yeah. Dodgers spent 30 years overvaluing their players. Uh, we're going to take the break. I agree with you on a bunch of things there, not the least of which is you could have added some of these relievers 10 days ago, 15 days Absolutely. ago. Adam Simber days ago, yep. like last year with the Marlins, who they ended up making the deal for this year. Jeffy, can you stick around for me, buddy? Oh, I can stick around. All right. For awesome. you, I After will. the break, we head to the Rogers Center, Rash, Danny Arden, Swelling. We continue to break down this deadline day in Major League Baseball. After an eventful deadline, the Jays back in action tonight as they start a mini two-game series with the Rays in Tampa. Kevin Gossman starts for the Bluebirds, facing Drew Rasmussen. Blue Jays Central coming your way, 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific on Sportsnet. Jesse Rubinoff, we put out a poll to start the day on Twitter. Can you please update where we're at after the deadline has come and gone? I can't. So the poll was, Jays fans, are you happy with what the team has done so far on MLB trade deadline day? Why or why not? We now know that the deadline is over at 623. It passed 23 minutes ago. I uh, believe it was 82.3% said no at the beginning of the show. It is now 82.5% <laughs> say no. And 6,000 votes yes. have been cast in this. And about 1,000 came in in the last little while, too. So this is relevant, I would Je- say. Jeff Blair, are you shocked? No, I'd like to know what the percentage is in the clubhouse. Maybe we'll ask our next two guests. They, they would can, know. They can send this to the clubhouse with more on what the Jays did today. Let's go down to the Rogers Center. Arash, Danny, Ardenswelling are standing by. And uh, where Ross Atkins will speak a little later on. Gentlemen, take it away. Yeah, and Timmy, we're like many of those Blue Jays fans, well, I am anyway, wondering where the big splash was with the starting pitcher. Arden likes some of the depth bullpen moves. You said coming into this thing, they need a little more swing and miss in their bullpen, a little more depth to the starter. I was expecting somebody to come in right away in this rotation and shove and deal, and it doesn't look like they got that. No, they didn't get Frankie Montes, and they didn't get Luis Castillo, and they didn't get Pablo Lopez. Nobody got Pablo Lopez. They really just trade out with the rotation with Max Castillo coming out and Max White coming in. The big stunner to me is Mitt Whit Merrifield. I did not see that coming at all because when the Kansas City Royals were here recently, Whit Merrifield was not because he was not vaccinated. vaccinated yeah. So clearly some sort of agreement has been struck for him to get vaccinated and be able to impact this team. I really wonder, is the Merrifield move because you want some depth in your infield or could quickly this be something even more serious with George Springer because that elbow hasn't been right for a while now. He keeps saying, I'll be all right, but he hasn't been all right. And Whit Merrifield can play center field. He can play both corner spots. He can play second base as well. Worth remembering Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio's production has been down lately. So Merrifield will give the Blue Jays that contact bat. Another right-handed bat, by the way, but not someone who will strike out a lot. Someone who can cover several defensive positions for them. does raise some interesting questions about George Springer, who's not going to play tonight. Tell you what, Timmy, over the years, we've heard the Blue Jays talk about controllable time and depth. You felt like this could have been the trade deadline where they may go for it. On the surface, they didn't. We're waiting for Ross Atkins here at the Rogers Center. Gentlemen, thanks as always for doing this. And if Ross says anything, even if we're uh, talking to Ian Rappaport about the NFL, you guys jump in, okay? There is a Rashmi Danny Arden swelling down at the Rogers Center. All right, uh, Jeff. So we've got it down. 
Anthony Bass, Zach Pop, Brampton boy. Brampton boy. Good. They've had some success with Markham. Now they are testing out Brampton and Zach Pop <laughs> is added to the crew. Mitchell White, Alex DeJesus, which as we kind of dug into, a little maybe more interesting than we initially thought in Whit Merrifield. Yeah, uh, Alex DeJesus is a guy who was signed in the 2018 international, international signing class. He's a 20-year-old right-handed uh, hitter. Some interesting numbers and doing some quick reading on him in MLB pipeline. He, he looks like a guy that at some point might be able to help the team but um, yeah Whit Merrifield I think is as as Arden said is kind of the um, it's the interesting move. I, I don't think any of us saw that coming. We thought Ian Happ made a certain amount of sense but the fact that they would go out and add you know, another uh, and add Whit Merrifield uh, suggests possibly a you know, job sharing role with Kevin Biggio at second base, but also I think might be a reflection of some concern about uh, about um, about George Springer's album. Yeah, yeah, and Merrifield, an all-star in 2019 and 2021, but I will say he did it with the Royals, and they have to send somebody. So there is a little caveat. There is a little star beside that when a Royal goes to the all-star game. Who's deadline as we march closer to? Blue Jay Central here on Sportsnet. We'll continue on Sportsnet 360. Whose deadline did you like across Major League Baseball? Oh, I mean. If we go winners here, who do you like? Yeah, aside from the Padres getting the best player of the generation, I really, really like what the I love how casually you you said that. I like what two teams did. I like what the Astros did because in getting Christian Vasquez, they – are now in a situation where they can pinch hit from Martin Maldonado late in the playoff game. There's going to be no drop-off defensively or offensively. I think that's a huge, that's the type of move a team makes thinking, Chip. with the manager thinking they're going to be in the World Series. The Yankees, in addition to Montas and Benintendi, at the last minute adding Harrison Bader, Joel Sherman. The Yankees began today leading the majors in defensive run saves. And that stat, their biggest negative area, was center field, which was minus six. Bader won a gold glove in center last year. I mean, the Yankees, not only did they go all in, they went all in smartly. Let's, uh, let's tie a bow on Soto because I, I can't, you know, gloss over a generational yeah. type player. Like, this is a 23-year-old. Do you think he makes the difference for the Padres in what is a stacked division and always matched up against that team just north? In a series against the Dodgers... I still like the Dodgers. Yeah. I still like the Dodgers. Uh, but they got Juan Soto. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they got Fernando Tatis. And they got Fernando Tatis. And they got, they got Manny. Manny. They got Machado. all the players. Yeah. That's pretty good. When you have the best player in the game, you're generally going to be okay. By the way, shout out Josh Bell because everyone's just going to talk about the Juan Soto <laughs> pickup. Josh Understandably like, what so. What about me over here? Hey, Jeff, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Under the gun, this was a lot of fun. This was great. Thanks Down for to this, the wire. Always a pleasure. Uh, Jeff Blair in studio. About time to send it to Blue Jay Central. Jamie and Joe standing by with John Morosi as he continues his tour of the place. <laughs> and it's the Jays and Rays with Matt Devlin and Pat Tabler on the call. As for us, we'll continue on Sportsnet 360. Big day in the NFL. Ian Rappaport joins us on 360. MLB 
trade deadline has come and gone. Just to follow up on our conversation surrounding Jays fans, Jesse Rubinoff. Jays fans, are you happy with what the team has done so far on MLB trade deadline day? We thought the bars would move throughout the day. Yeah. They didn't really, though I will say this, they have in the last 10 or so minutes. Yeah, now 81.1% uh, and a lot of votes, 6,700 votes. So keep voting uh, if you're out there and have yet to do so. Um, the thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around is obviously Blue Jays fans are fair to be critical because they thought this team really had a chance to make some noise. But when you go into the playoffs with Gossman, Manoa, Barrios doing what he's doing and the lineup doing what they're doing, I look at just – it's the bullpen that is – the big kicker here. What performance are you going to get out of the bullpen? And I'm just curious if Jays fans are not overreacting more to what the Yankees and Astros have done versus what the Jays that's are. You, but that's who you're compared against. Yeah. So I understand it completely. Yeah. And did the Jays do enough to compete with them this year? I'm not so sure they did. Yeah. But they still have their top three prospects. They have control over every guy they picked up. This was... Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro doing what Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro do, which is make sure the pantry stays full and can you compete right now, and that's what the best teams in Major League Baseball do. Whether or not that's enough for this year, that's why I think Jays fans have 81.1%, over 6,700 <laughs> votes. No, I'm not happy with their deadline. So the, the Major League Baseball deadline has come and gone, and obviously it dominated the first 90 minutes of the show. But if Blue Jay Central takes over on Sportsnet, you're free to go over there, and we're free <laughs> to get to a pretty significant news day in and around the NFL. And thankfully, we have one of the best in the business, National Insider for the NFL Network, Ian Rappaport. Rap Sheet, welcome back to Tim and Friends. Thanks for taking the time. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm in an Uber right now. I'm going to SFO Airport, so hopefully you guys can hear me okay. Nice. And uh, thanks for having me. You're, you're in a long line of uh, Tim and Friends friends who have joined us from an Uber. Say hello to the driver for us and make sure you give him five stars for having to put up with our conversation. I always <laughs> give five stars whether they deserve it or not, so I will, that will be the case. Now. All right. Uh, so the news of the day obviously surrounds the Dolphins and Stephen Ross, their owner, who were docked a pair of picks, first and third, as well as Ross, the owner, being fined uh, $1.5 million for tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. Does, does the punishment fit the crime in your mind? I mean, which crime? And that was what's so interesting about this because – allegations that Brian Flores made and what the NFL would say. And, you know, I knew that Flores had documented. I did not know that he had um, written a memo to Dolphins executives after that meeting saying how disturbed he was. So that's kind of what we're waiting for. And, you know, really what, um, you know, really what the NFL uh, decided was that because the team didn't tank because they kept winning and played hard and didn't show any visible effects of the request that the owner had made. Therefore, they weren't going to be punished for tanking basically because it didn't work. Um, so that was, I thought, odd. And Brian mm -hmm. Forrest said he was disappointed by that. Then there was the tampering allegations, you know, illicit meetings with Tom Brady, um, illicit meetings with Sean Payton. You know, to me, I've been doing this for 10 years, the most egregious tampering I've ever seen. Um, for that, they lost a first-round draft pick and a third-round draft pick and hopefully a warning shot for all other teams out there. Is it enough of a warning shot for other teams out there? I mean, 
I don't know of any other teams that blatantly tamper like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I feel like, you know, during the tampering window, during free agency, I hear about some deals getting done and like that, but I've never heard of, you know, out recruiting the greatest quarterback ever with like secret meetings involving the owner. I mean, it was just, it's too much. Um, and, you know, is it a warning? Yes. Is it enough? Like, I think it's, you know, first round draft picks pretty significant, especially for a team that may end up needing a quarterback. I just don't know that any other team needed to be warned to this extent because who else would do this? Right. Okay, so let's get into the murky waters here. The NFL says on one hand that Ross did say that the NFL, excuse me, that the, the Dolphins' uh, position in the draft should take priority over the team's win-loss record, right. but that's not yep. tanking. Ross comes out and says the organization has been cleared on any issues related to tanking and all of Brian Flores' other allegations. Does something like that, and I agree with you, not true. Does something like that, does a release like that put them in hot water with the NFL, or would that have been cleared through the NFL before releasing something like that? No. My understanding is the NFL did not clear that statement, and I can't imagine that they're too happy with it. Now, there's a lot of things that owner Stephen Ross does that the NFL is not happy with, specifically tampering and trying to tank. Um, so, you know, add this to the list. Um, but, no, I don't think this was cleared by the NFL. And, and you know, sometimes what happens is owners have their own personal PR people. Right. Um, and, obviously, this was written by one of those because anyone with the team or with the NFL would not have agreed to say they were cleared because they weren't cleared. What they said was all the allegations are true, just nobody listened to them, so that's why they didn't actually tank. Is this over, or is this one that could be relitigated down the line? Well, the tampering is over. Yeah. Um, as far as the tanking, I don't think we've seen the last of this. Because remember, uh, Coach Brian Flores, former Coach Brian Flores, is still suing in federal court. If that goes forward, there's going to be discovery, there's going to be interviews, there's going to be all sorts of discussion about just specifically how badly did he want to tank, what was offered, the memo, all of that. Um, I don't, assuming that goes forward, I don't think we've seen the last of this at all. All right, speaking of the last of it, uh, it goes from bad to worse, and I apologize, but it's in the news. What, what are you hearing on a potential appeal to Deshaun Watson's suspension from the NFL? First of all, you don't have to apologize. This, this is all real. Yeah. Um, and this is all what we who covered the league deal with. And it, it's, you know, it's sort of like it is what it is. Sometimes there's good news. This has been what this week has been about. Um, and everyone, you know, everyone's sort of culpable. So um, Appreciate that. the NFL is still weighing whether or not they're going to appeal. But it's not just does the NFL want steeper, stiffer penalty. They do. It's. Do they want the Deshaun Watson? I mean, the 2022 season. I'm sure they do not. But if you know if they appeal, that's going to happen because then Deshaun Watson will take him to federal court. Um, he'll and this will be all discussed. Right. Do the you know does the owners remember Roger Goodell represents the owners? Do the owners want Deshaun Watson and his lawyers to take aim at them? Their transgressions, the sort of lack of fair treatment about, you know, owners compared to players, like, do they want all that out there? I mean, there's so much that goes into appealing. Yes, the NFL wishes there was a stiffer penalty, but are they willing to withstand all that would come with an appeal is the question. 
And I guess it comes down to an opinion here, and I don't want to radio you um, asking your opinion on this one and not facts as you see him as the insider, but do you think the six-game suspension gives the NFL enough plausible deniability? We had uh, Sue L. Robinson look at this, and this is what she came up with, and we reluctantly uh, agree with the suspension and hope that this all moves on. Um. I think that response is possible. You know, the NFL was very clear in wanting a full year suspension for Deshaun Watson. So whatever happens, everyone knows they want to be. You know, it has now been two grand juries, uh, two female district attorneys, a, fe- a female federal judge. I don't know if that matters or not, but they just that's what they are. Um, who have either denied, uh, declined to prosecute, declined to press charges, or given a six-game suspension, which I think is light in some people's eyes. Also noteworthy is that, you know, in the public, we've talked about the 26 lawsuits. The NFL brought forth the case of four women, very different, just mm-hmm. four women that they found most credible. That might explain the lighter penalty. But anyway, to answer your question, you know, I would say there's enough there where the NFL could say we disagree, but let it stand. I just it's just so much goes into it. I think they got a lot to think about. The juxtaposition for me to seeing the fans greet Deshaun Watson and reading through the 15 pages that Sue L. Robinson put out was uh, maybe an indictment on our society in 2022, uh, but I digress a little bit here. Do, do you think the Cleveland Browns regret giving Deshaun Watson the richest contract in NFL history? No. Hmm. Nope. And I don't, I don't think they will. I think had he been suspended a year, it would have been tough for them just Football, obviously, football is not the most important thing. I'm just Correct. saying, we but football-wise, it would have been I tough. Um, they knew a suspension was likely coming. Here's where it is with the Cleveland Browns. If you have Baker Mayfield, and you're sort of not sure if he's a franchise guy, but he's playing, you know, you're either making the playoffs or you're just missing. So you're picking, you know, 16 to 25, probably. That is never, never land in the NFL. That's nowhere. That means you can never get a franchise quarterback unless you mortgage the future and, and like – and you may, and people still may not trade. Their choice was deal with everything, withstand everything, um, take all of Deshaun Watson, everything he is, knowing it's a suspension and all the, the blowback and say, this is just going to be our quarterback for 10 years. And however it is we get here, we get here. That is the choice they made. And I definitely don't think they regret it, especially if they go on to win a lot of football games with him. All right, Rap, so a lot of heavy news here. Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity here to step outside of that and give me the one positive storyline, the one that makes you smile as we're going through camps that you can point to and say, I am looking forward to reporting on blank. I'm looking forward to seeing blank along the way of this journey as, as you go across the United States of America covering camps. How great is that graph? That <laughs> Very good, yeah. Um, I was in Santa Clara today with the 49ers and no. not say full speed, but you know, needs to build up his stamina needs to build up his arm strength, but looked pretty good. He has been in the building. He has not said a word. He has been a great mentor to Trey Lance and he is working as well as he possibly can. I have a lot of respect for Jimmy Garoppolo and how he's handled this. Getting replaced, still leading the team to the playoffs, yeah. 
I look forward to the day when I can say either Jimmy Garoppolo has been released so he can find his own team or he's been traded so he can be a starter because he is a good guy and he deserves it. There you go. I love it. And, and by the way, uh, the centering of the Uber sticker behind you should get you a lot of money in your Uber account <laughs> because this you may think, have been you, the single greatest Uber gonna, Do you think they're going to send me like one of those like uh, gift certificates or something? May, maybe. Oh, Does anyone know anyone with Uber? At, at very least, Rap, like if Tim and Friends can do nothing for you, we can at least get you some money in your account for this commercial for Uber because I, I know you being the professional that you are had that back sticker on the back window of your Uber in the shot the entire time. So give this man some money. Yeah, uh, this is not a this is not a lift situation. This is strictly an Uber situation. I made that clear. <laughs> I uh, appreciate you, Rap. I know it's a busy day, and I know you're on that cross-country journey in that great graphic. Thanks for doing this uh, on the way to the airport. Always good hanging out with you, man. Thank you for having me. Take care. There is uh, Rap Sheet, Ian Rappaport here on Tim and Friends. So we are now getting to, I mean, obviously there are some technical glitches that we would not like to have in all of our interviews, but we're getting to this point, technologically speaking, well, we can grab guys on cross-country tours on their way to the airport yeah. among the greatest NFL insiders out there to talk about Ross and his ridiculousness today and Deshaun Watson and his ridiculousness over the last, I don't know, three years. Well, here, here's the deal. Uh, the thing about getting such great guests mm. is they're always on the move. Like, they got a lot of Without places a doubt. to be. So that's Without just a doubt. part and parcel of the deal. All right, so rap sheet. Uh, I feel like the Dolphins are not done either. And I think Brian Flores, I mean, I got his statements here among the pile of sheets of paper from MLB trade deadline. Mm -hmm. it, it's not over with Brian Flores. And when that comes out, we'll be in, all those same things that he was talking about, whether or not they want to go through it with Deshaun Watson going mm -hmm. to a federal court will be the exact same thing with Brian Flores. And if that curtain gets pulled back, I wonder what happens with ownership in Miami, period. Yeah. I mean, these stories are not going away anytime soon. No. Time for one last break. We're not going away too soon. Nice. Last call. Jesse Rubinoff, me, you, at Tim and Friends, next. All the stories we didn't get to because of the deadline <laughs> and the NFL being what it is. thing is flying by. We're already at last call and Jesse Rubinoff. Take it away, my friend. I will take it away. The MLB trade deadline came and went almost an hour ago. The Blue Jays made a total of four moves today, the biggest of which was landing two-time All-Star Whit Merrifield from the Royals. They also added right-handed relievers Anthony Bass and Zach Pop from the Marlins and right-handed pitcher Mitchell White and infielder Alex DeJesus from the Dodgers. Timmy, mm -hmm. here's the moment of truth. How would you grade the Jays deadline? I think underwhelming is where we started and underwhelming is where we'll finish. Though I will say this, there are some moves here that Jays fans can't really appreciate yet because they haven't seen the player. Mitch White is one of those guys. When the Jays got Ross Stripling, I don't know that the Jays fan base was overwhelmed by what they got in Ross Stripling. If you ask them now, it was a very good pickup. I think Mitchell White has the opportunity to be that. I think Whit Merrifield has the opportunity to be that as well. He could be the shot in the arm that the Jays could need. He's a versatile player. He can play second base. He can play outfield. He can steal a lot of bases. And this, uh, from our stats department, 
says he's perhaps doing a little bit better offensively than you think. 246 home runs, 42 RBIs. But SIS Baseball by XStats said his numbers should be closer to last season's 275 with an expected OPS of 744. Here's why. Opposing teams have 14 defensive runs saved versus him this season. That's the second highest in Major League Baseball. He's had some tough luck is what the stats folks are saying. I think that this has been quietly a good deadline, but the proof will be in the pudding. And I think that teams around them had a better deadline. Mm -hmm. And that's why the underwhelming will be the prevailing feeling of the day with Jays fans. And, and I don't necessarily disagree with them. So like a B? B now, I, I would say a C plus with the potential to get better and better because of, I'm sorry Jays fans, team control and Matters. high upside. Because yeah. it's not as if they picked up a bunch of old guys. No. These are all younger guys that have controllable futures with the team that they could keep conceivably at least one and a half years for all of them. Well, the focus now shifts to the rest of the season. Correct. And we are going down to the home stretch quite and soon. We're and we're going to find out real quick here. Eh? I don't know if you know this. 16 in the next 22 on the road. Play some good teams starting tonight with the Rays and Jays available on Sportsnet. In the house of horrors. In about 10 minutes. Great place to start. Uh, speaking of the Rays, former Rays outfielder and fan favorite Brett Phillips has been picked up by the Orioles after he was DFA'd. By Tampa over the weekend, Phillips had several memorable moments during his three seasons with the Rays, including a walk-off hit and epic celebrations in the 2020 World Series. What's your favorite Brett Phillips moment? I know people want to say World Series and the celebration. I know people want me to say when he was pitching. But the real answer to the greatest Brett Phillips moment is simply anytime he laughs. Does that make you laugh? Sebi, you're like shaking your head back there. Do you not think it's real? Is that what you're, no, it's real. And it's spectacular. Oh, it's real and it's spectacular. <laughs> yes, it is. It's up there with, well, it's it's better than Spetz's, but the one other laugh from an athlete that I think about is Spetz's. Maybe Kessel's too. Here's but that's better. Ka Kawhi's laughs pretty good. Oh, well, yeah. That, that, They're legendary. Yeah, that one. But the, here's that. how I know it's real, Sebi. Will Smith's the guy interviewing him, and they did the whole interview giving dad jokes with the hopes of making Phillips laugh. And once he starts laughing, Smith has to hold up the piece of paper yeah. in the way yeah. because he's scared to look at the dude laughing like a jackass. <laughs> it's so good. Or a hyena. It's so good. Um, I enjoy it. Well, a lot of people were laughing at uh, what happened during the White Sox-Royals game last night. Here's the video of it. Oh uh, White Sox manager Tony La Russa falling asleep in the dugout. Now, here's the important part of this. It was in the first inning, Tim. Bottom the first of the inning. first. How does he still have a job? When you said laughing, everyone outside of the south side of Chicago is laughing. That's Anyone it, yeah. in the south side of Chicago right now should not be laughing. Like... How the bleep can you look at your manager in the bottom of the first inning falling asleep on an underachieving team? Like, for me, that's the end of it. I don't care who's running this squad. I don't care who they think he, like, that is unacceptable. 
and I know he's older, but like having made the mistakes that he's made this year and then doing that, that's the end of it. I'm sorry. You're love, peace, and hair grease. Tony Larusa, Hall of Famer, great manager. I don't know, check your past, whatever. You're out. Gone. If you're gonna fall asleep, I mean, at least wait till like the sixth. <laughs> don't don't do it in the first. Uh, <laughs> I, I sent that to our crew last night, and I just thought it was funny. And, and then I real after I sent it to the crew, I'm like, holy bleep, that's the bottom first of inning. the first inning. Yeah, people missed that part of it. And he's falling yeah. asleep. That's unacceptable. Yeah. I'm sorry. All right, let's go to soccer. This morning, Alfonso Davies uh, tweeted, Canada, <laughs> the manager fell asleep. <laughs> Canada welcomed me and my family and gave us the opportunity for a better yes, life. Fonzie. It enabled me to live my dreams. It's a great honor to play for Canada, and I want to give back. So I've decided that I will donate this year's World Cup earnings to charity. Can this man, Alfonso Davies, do anything wrong, Tim? <laughs> Fonzie, this is this is very. I mean, there are others in Europe who make a lot of money who do similar things with their World Cup earnings. I also think that there's there's a little bit of of a side, a subplot to this, oh, and yeah, turning yeah, the ratchet up the pressure on Canada soccer, uh, who have yet to determine what kind of World Cup earnings Alfonso Davies will donate. This just it raises the topic once again, puts it back in the spectrum of conversation like we're having right now. This is a very coy move by a very smart yeah. young man in Alfonso Davies maybe sort of turn up the heat on Canada soccer again. Not only charitable, but intelligent move as oh, well. Oh, without a doubt. I think there are, there are two, there is, he is a very charitable man as we saw when he stood in front of FIFA Congress and professed yeah. his love to Canada and what it's done for him and his family. And now I think he's, uh, It'll, it'll turn up the heat. All right, so you're talking about earnings? Yeah. Uh, Tiger Woods turned down an offer in the neighborhood of 700 confirmed, to right? $800 million. That is the confirmed number uh, to join the Live Golf Tour. That according to Live Commissioner Greg Norman in an appearance on Tucker Carlson tonight. Uh, what's more Boston. surprising, Tiger turning down Liv's offer or Juan Soto turning down $440 million from the National. Right, just imagine this, and, and, and bear with me on yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah. We've got 20, 20 seconds left yeah. in the show. Yeah, I'll shut up. How good is your life that you can turn down seven hundred to $800 million on principle? You're already a billionaire? You're good. We can all dream, Jesse Rubin, off of the day. Yeah. That we can turn down 440. One day, the show's rating. I can't came even turn down 440 hundred dollars. <laughs> Never mind million dollars. That does it for us. Jays and Ray is coming up on Sportsnet. Full menu if you're flicking. Enjoy, it, and we'll talk again tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>